What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What's up, Thrive Fam? This is CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. It is the week before the end of the year, about to roll into Christmas weekend, and we're sitting here at the radio room right near Squatch Frontier Fitness with my best friend, Mr. Noah Heisman. He's been on here before, and at the end of 2021, last year we did an episode that was titled, I believe, How to Thrive in 2022, and it got some good traction. A lot of people liked it, and I figured, why the hell not? Maybe we wrap up every year with a podcast, and this year is a little bit more special because Noah has just built himself a podcast studio. So the first thing that I wanna go into is Second thing is the podcast studio. First thing we're going to ask, he's the philosopher king. So what are you feeling right now? What's, what's the philosophical quote to end 2022? Um, this is as much to begin 2023 as it is to end 2022. Those that know me know I really love where, um, where the streams of Athens and Jerusalem come together. It's kind of the two roots of our heritage and Epictetus uh, Roman Stoic says, how wait are you going? How long are you going to wait to demand the best of yourself? Let me try that again. Epictetus, the Roman Stoic says, how long are you going to wait to demand? One more time. <laughs> how long are you going to wait to demand the best of yourself? Proverbs um, in the Bible has a similar saying. Proverbs 6 says, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? And so both of them, to me, stand for this concept of it's Seneca's fool for all his faults is always getting ready to live. So we always are constantly deferring what we want to do. It's not that we won't write our book. We won't change the habits of our life. We won't start running. We won't get fit. It's that we just want, not just not today. And so we constantly put it off. But the person that puts tomorrow off, the person that's constantly putting it off, never gets there. Um, there's this idea that there's forever in tomorrow and someday is a disease, Tim Ferriss's words, that takes your dreams with you to the grave. And so as we move into this new year and end this current one, it's, it's honestly just this exercise and being honest with yourself of if you think about how much you've already sort of deferred the things that you say you want, how much longer can you afford to keep doing that? Um, that's something that at the end of every, every year, I try, to, I try to take an honest look at it. And once a quarter, I think we've talked about it in the past, but once a quarter, I really try to um, ask myself, if somebody were to simply observe my actions, couldn't hear my words, what would they say I value? What would they say I prioritize? Um, and would what they, would, 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 would what they say line up with what I say I prioritize? Is there 
any sort of misalignment with if you were to just observe my life. So you're about to be a dad, right? And so this will be even more powerful for you as you sort of move into this dad mode of you want to be a great dad. You want to be a great husband. And so I think you are both of those things. And so what it would look like for somebody like you in your situation is doing an audit of your time in the same way you would of your budget. And you say, okay, do my actions reflect that I'm prioritizing my family? Does how I spend my time reflect that I'm prioritizing my family? Um, it's something that's been a super powerful exercise for me. And so that's like whenever I go into a new year, especially, it's something I try to take a long, hard look at. That's awesome. Um, I'm still trying to figure out, are we speaking into the top of these mics or the bottom? These are uh, good to me. I think it's top. I think okay. it's top. Sweet. Um, yours sound phenomenal. I'm just not used to... So anybody listening, we're in the radio room near Squatch Frontier Fitness, and I feel like I'm back in the heyday of when I started my podcast because I'm literally holding on the, I guess the... Mic stands. The Mike one on my side props. broke. So if you're watching the video of this, you'll be able to see me like holding the holding the actual like mic with a mic stand in the seat that I'm in. And like three years ago, I was holding a spatula on a lav mic. So I didn't want to fuck up what you just said, which was brilliant. Um, but I just wanted to kind of paint a picture here of how we're trying to get adjusted. And when I wanted to speak, I wanted to make sure I'm speaking in uh, to the mic in the right way so that we have a great discussion here. Yeah, today. I mean, like mine. Mine has like erectile dysfunction. Like, <laughs> it's got, I got that limp mic, dude. <laughs> so Noah's literally has to, has to like hold it, hold up. the mic so that it doesn't droop. And this is, this is just a microcosm of kind of like what you're saying, um, where this room in general, I would say, is the response for you of like, what can you no longer wait on? Yeah. And like, this needed to happen for you. And, it's just awesome for me to witness you kind of in the, in the past year, I'd say last year you were getting your feet wet here in Austin, Texas. And then in 2022, it was really about, okay, now I'm going to actually play attack. I'm not going to be on the kind of like feeler mode out, feeling things out. I'm going to yeah. actually attack some things. And you've done that in a, a numerous amount of ways. And one of them being this room that we're sitting in right now, but I just wanted to thank you for acknowledging the, the, the husband, the husband that I'm trying to be in the, the future dad that I'm trying to be. And what I thought about when you, when you said that was how even like with greatness, there's still so many levels because for me, it's how do I be exceptional? And where I failed in the past is I always teeter on going from great to mastery. And then I fall off. And I don't know if it's because I lose my ability to focus or my attention because going from 90 to 91% is harder than going from 80 to 90%. Yeah. Because you've already done so much work and you start getting in your own head of, oh, I've already done so much. Why do I need to do more? And I don't think until, like, that was my problem, I think, until I found out that Aaron was pregnant. And once I found that out, like a good example for me is this is the thing that's been causing me the most pain. And then I'm going to, I'm going to ask you like, okay, like you've done exceptional things this year, but like what, what is clawing at you? What's clawing at me right now is that I'm such a people person 
and I love being in the community. And this is the least amount I've been in the community. And I don't even like, he's not even here yet. But in my mind, I told myself, I was like, when 6 p.m., when 5 or 6 p.m. rolls around and Aaron's done work, I need to be there every day. And it's really been tough. It's been tough for me because in one hand, I'm like, this is the coolest thing in my life. And I'm so excited. But on the other end, I'm like losing a piece of me. And that, that's what claws at me every day is like, okay, how do I still not, I don't lose me. And how do I focus on quality time spent, not just with Aaron, but with people around me. And to wrap this thought with this room, going to what you pointed out, I think it was such a great way to start this conversation of kind of the do it now mentality, even today, like this podcast, I wanted to record with you to end the year, but then I had no idea we'd even be sitting here today. I was just like, Hey, do you have a free afternoon? Like, let's do it right now. But to kind of flow this, throw this right back at you and reflect on what you just said, what is that for you? So now that the pod, the studio is here and you're partnered in a gym and some of the things that you were saying you were going to do, you've done, but what's the clawing thing right now? What do you need to do right now to fulfill how you just opened this podcast? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot and I kept telling myself that I was going to turn the corner once the podcast, once we got the podcast space open. And so for, for me, this idea of, um, it took a long time for me to work up the Um, courage isn't the right word because it's not really courage, but, um, the will, something like that to start producing content at all and kind of putting my ideas out into the world and writing. And so then I had, I had the book that came out and I, I really have been thinking a lot about this idea of if, if I, if I think, if I believe in the message I'm selling. If I, I either believe in it, in which case I should be doing everything possible to get it out to the world, or I don't, in which case I shouldn't be saying it all. There is no in-between. So I either am delivering something that I view of value, in which case I should be executing on delivering it to the world, or I shouldn't be saying it at all. And there really isn't like a middle ground. And, and so for me, 2023 is the year where I commit to delivering that message. And what that looks like is recording videos, uh, having conversations in here once a week that I can sort of chop up. Um, and just talking more about the, the concepts and ideas that have been the most meaningful in my own life, because to hold it's, it's only dragons hoard gold. And so it's this idea of, of, if, if you have, we each have something to share and it has to be shared. And, um, so that, that's like my mission for 2023. The thing I've been one foot in one foot out on is the delivery of that message. Um, and that's, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. And I would say also, I've been thinking, I want to touch on your, something you talked about and this idea of feel like you run to the edge of mastery and then sort of pull back. I, 
There's a funny thing about um I think we have to be because of what mastery demands it's it's good to be picky. So I think what what you've done very well with is experiment. Because I think when we get to mastery then it's we have to be honest about is this the thing I want to be known for? Is is this what I want to go in on because we know what it demands. We know what mastery actually demands. And so you get to that edge point, and I think it's actually a good thing sometimes to step back and say, mm, this isn't what I thought it would be. Like, this isn't the thing I want to be known for. It was fun up until this point, but you have to have the courage to go like down to the bottom of the mountain and start over at something new. So it's not always a bad thing that you get to the edge of mastery and step back. That's an important thing. And I, and I think it also a great thing to keep in mind is when you're, when you're starting to find your passion, starting to find the thing that you feel like you were made to do. Um, and this is what writing is for me. Something that's been at the beginning stages, you know, as I'm starting to put out videos or create more content, I just, I don't have a following, right? So I'm not going to get a ton of views. I'm not going to get a ton of likes. But there's a, there's a quote by Paulo Coelho, who's the guy that wrote The Alchemist, and it says, the reward for the work is who you become. So you have to pick things where even if nobody likes it, the reward is who you become. It makes you a better person. And I truly believe that writing, it does that for me. And I have to remind myself often of like, I could post something, it could get zero likes. And it's like, it's not my job to worry about who likes it. It's just my job to finish it because the reward is who I become. And the one degree of people who you help them become. Yeah. Because whoever you become, your circle of influence then levels up to that becoming as well. And yeah. the reason I wanted to hit on that is anybody that has lived in the social media atmosphere or entrepreneurial where you're trying to grow something and spread your message, you start at zero. Like you start, you don't have a following in that particular area. The reality is though, when you take that step, you're encouraging somebody else to take a step. But that person might never tell you that they yeah. took a step because you took a step. And you only see that years later. And a great example for me, we were just talking about this when we were having lunch, is the How Do You Health Fest that just passed. With my family, I've been preaching about health and wealth and happiness for years, just like I have on social media. It's like I'm beating a dead horse over and over and over again. And I will do so for decades to come, if I'm blessed to have that time. The most beautiful part, though, was when I got to witness them at the festival and who they, the questions that they started asking themselves to become a better them, solely because I wasn't fixated on the following or anything else, just doing my own blood work and becoming a better me. And I've witnessed this in group chats with like, Going back to, <laughs> shout out to Rad Daddy, my buddy <laughs> Alex Radcliffe. Um, no, we were chatting about him before the podcast, just as a side side thing. I run High Rocks with him. Um, he's a longtime friend of mine, and I just ran High Rocks in October with him, and I'm going to do it again in Houston in February. The reason I bring him up is I was in his wedding, and I was sober at his wedding and I was sober at his bachelor party. 
And I could tell like the look on his face of like, damn, some of the things that you're doing, I want to get involved with. Cause he saw me, I literally was training for high rocks at his bachelor party. Everyone was there, was hung over and slept till 11. By the time they woke up, I had already ran five miles and you see him come out and everyone else in the room doesn't really give a fuck, but I know him and he's competitive and he wants to live an exceptionally high level life. I could tell that, okay, this is his new becoming as well, not just mine. So it's not about the following when I'm like posting stories and posting these things. It's like, what's the reality here? The reality is like, even sitting across from you, I haven't done anything for this room. Zero. Until I walked in here today. I mean, I was in here one other time. But you have. Exactly. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. Continue that. I haven't talked to you about it. I haven't texted you about it. I haven't. We had zero conversations on how you should do this thing. But just because you saw me kind of figuring it out, you then take the step to figure it out. Now, obviously, this is my point of view and yeah. my side of things. And I think I'm interpreting it in the right way because not only with that, but you do the flip side for me in a lot of ways. And a lot of things that you're doing is like seeing you with your book. Then it makes me think, why can't I take a step towards writing my first book? And whoever's listening to this, like to wrap this on my end, it's when you're trying to grow something and you're trying to share your story, think about who that story is going to impact right around you. And if it's not hitting with the people around you, you're just not in the right room. It doesn't mean that the idea or the story that you're sharing is bad or flawed. You're just not in the right room yet. And that's what I, I feel like I experienced for a long time in my life until I landed in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing I've actually been thinking a lot about lately in terms of, um, you know, you had asked me this question of what are the things I had been deferring uh, one of my favorite authors, as I'm writing the second book, I'm like steeped in mythology. Joseph Campbell is one of the best known authors when it comes to mythology. He wrote A Hero of a Thousand Faces. And he has this saying that um, you must be willing to let go of the life you have planned in order to make room for the life that you're meant for. And when I think about that in the context of me in the beginning stages of starting to put out more content related to the book, starting to put out more content related to my fitness, there's a very much an old self of me that has to die because everybody that knew me growing up, I have to forget about, I can't think about, I'm going to lose some of those people as followers and like, good. Yeah, I, it's like good. viewing that as a, what I'm trying to find is fans of what I'm doing, not, not people that have like, just because they've been around in my life. I don't know why, but you know, I think we tend to get attached to those past versions and what people from past parts of our life think about us. And we allow that to distract us from what we're meant to become. But I've really tried to step into this stance of thinking more about, okay, I'm going to have to go through the shedding process where I'm probably going to dip for a little bit. And I'm okay with that because what I'm doing, I'm not losing true fans. I'm losing fake ones. Say that again. I'm not losing true fans. I'm losing fake ones. And so like going through that dipping period is what sets you up for that 
hockey stick compound growth afterward. But you have to be willing to go through that period of temporary sort of like deflation. And so I've been really thinking intentionally about that and preparing myself to go through that process. Um, because I think I know as I start putting out more content, there's going to be that phase. It's an interesting thing that I think about is like, when you, like, how would you define fan? I'll yeah, there. fan maybe isn't the right word. I mean, I, when I say fan, I'm using that as a stand-in for person that extracts value from your work. Okay. So I'll, I'll counter that with, I like the word fan because I'm allowed to be a fan of multiple teams and multiple people. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Now there's this assumption in the startup world and the creative world that I have to ride or die with every piece of art or everything that you are. And I think it's killing mm. everything we're doing because if, if a person does one thing that you disagree with, it's let's burn the bridges down. <laughs> Uh, I, listen, I absolutely, one of the, so that's why I like the word fan because yeah. like, I'm allowed to be a fan of yeah. this one thing of you. I'm allowed to take this yeah. piece of you, but I don't agree with everything that you are. So this is in my second book, I devote, a, a you know, a significant amount of paper talking to this problem, talking about this problem of, uh, in an, in sort of our nihilistic, uh, skeptical age where we deconstruct the people um, that we held out, that were held out as heroes. So like the founders of America is a good instance. Um, because they had one flaw, they suddenly, um, we want to villainize them. And it's, it's kind of the same concept you're talking about of like the Herodotus was a historian of like all of the old ancient stories. And when he looked at like Hercules or Achilles in the Iliad, he went to great pains to discuss and discern what were the good and noble pieces of them and what were the less noble pieces of them. So you have to have the ability to make a distinction and understand that you can be a, you don't have to be a fan of all pieces of everybody to be a fan in a specific instance. And the, where that comes up in my second book is this idea of we've allowed, we allow, I include myself in this. If one person makes one mistake, suddenly we allow that to destroy the notion of heroism at all, of goodness, of excellence at all. Like that one shortcoming colors their entire character. So I love this, but how does the hero become the hero? Well, there's, there's a, so like what I mean by this is if you thought of a hero, like you mentioned Hercules, yeah. he overcame things that weren't noble to be the hero. Yeah. And that's the story that we're forgetting because I think, and then we can, I mean, you can go a million different directions with why that is. But if I were to like look at a very high level first, it's out of fear of something. We always talk about rising tides lift all ships, yeah. strive together, thrive together. Like the pie is big enough for all of us. But the system makes you believe otherwise. And when you grew up in a system where 
Like we're all taking our own tests and it's all about me. And we're only worsening that with how, when you apply to jobs, how many, you can see how many people on LinkedIn are applying and you just like, you fall into this rabbit hole of not everybody can win. Yeah. So what does that cause? It causes us when we see winners, we tear the winner down. Yeah. Rather than ask the winner, what did you overcome to get there? Because I'm trying to get to the same thing. Yeah, I 100%. And I, it's also this idea um, that going back to, we kind of live in this age of nihilism and skepticism. Seeing where we run into problems is that one, we use it as an excuse to not pursue excellence ourselves. And, yep. and that's the issue. We let ourselves off the hook because we say, oh, yeah, there's, there's no such thing as, as excellence or heroes or greatness. Like, and so we tear down these people that were once considered heroes so that we don't have to strive for it, so that it doesn't stand in judgment over us in our lives. And if we're tying this back to kind of like what you were talking about earlier, it's not about someone else this is where we have conflict today. It's not about someone else thinking I'm a hero. Right. It's about me being a hero. Yeah. And me doing the things to qualify for what I think heroism is. So, yeah, there's a lot I'm, I'm trying to decipher right now. This, that's why I always love talking to you. It's just, but if I'm going to kind of kick this off into 2023. Yeah. And... We're wrapping up this year. It's going to be a great weekend. And then we have a New Year's Day event with Ice Barrel and Squatch. Very excited about that. But in 2023, if we were to have this conversation again. We will. Which we will. At that point, what do you envision is you being the hero that gets you to Mount Olympus. Yeah. If 2023, if, the, if next December is the top of Mount Olympus and the start of the journey is January, what does that hero have to do? Yeah, that's a, um, three minutes to set up my answer. Um, <laughs> I, just cause I'm in the middle of editing my second book. So all this stuff is very top of mind for me. I mean, I learn something new every time. So just, yeah, that, um, I mean, there's the concept of the hero's journey, and this goes back to Joseph Campbell. I think something that gets forgotten is we view the hero's journey as something that plays out in sort of myth, legend, story over and over again in terms of the arc that the hero takes. But what we forget is that we can actually, the whole point of sketching out the contours of the hero's journey or the whole point of my book where it gives you examples of sort of what past heroes have done and what they've looked like is to apply it to our lives. And so the hero's journey of there's the initial the, the the separation from tribe, which you get the call to adventure, and then oftentimes there's the refusal of the call to adventure, which is where I was two years ago in my corporate job, and something in me knew that I wanted to write, knew I wanted to gym, but I was refusing that call. I was anesthetizing myself, sort of in the humdrum of corporate life, and I was be making myself anxious and sick because of it. So I answered that call. In that specific instance. Anyway, so th there's the there's separation and then there's 
the trials and temptations is a second stage. And then there's the, like the rebirth section, which is three. And then there's the ultimate boon, which is when you bring the rewards back to the village. And we can apply this on a, on a, like a micro and a macro scale of our lives. So not only does it apply over the arc of our lives generally, but it can, it can be applied specifically to any endeavor. So when I think about This Way to the Stars as a brand, for instance, 2023 is I, I feel like I finally have answered the call to create more content around these concepts. And I'm about to enter the period of trials and temptations where I don't get the valid, I don't get validation. I go through 40 days and 40 nights, you know, of, that's Jesus's temptations or like his fasting period, 40 days and 40 nights of wondering, should I keep doing this? I don't know if I have the stamina. So it's like battling that resistance. I'm, it, that's the period I'm entering into. And uh, the one thing we'd never know is how long that period lasts. Only thing that we can make sure we commit to is enduring it as long as it takes. Are you willing to sprint if you don't know where the end is? Exactly, when is. the distance is unknown. And so that's the phase I'm entering 2023 in. And that when we have this discussion in 20, or at the end of 2023, I want to be able to stare you in the face and say, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. Still creating as if it was day one. It's such a good piece of advice that often in my eyes gets overlooked. Because if we're tying, again, that response to everything that we've talked about, especially the hero's journey, when the hero finishes the journey, what does he do? And then I think yeah. of like legends. Yeah. Legends never die. They are, they wake up the next day and they still are just doing the damn thing. And... I mean, I've, I've seen that transition in you. I've, I've watched it. Like literally today, I show up to the gym. I have Scott with me filming me. And then Noah's sitting there with his drone producing for himself. No option. Doesn't give himself an option. Doesn't have to be. You didn't have to be here today. It's cold. It's like there's a million other things you could be doing. Good looking dude. Could be out trying to find his wife, right? You know? <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm waiting for the day, but, um, that's a valiant way of looking at it because most people, I think, overshoot on day one and then they start getting in their head and saying, how am I going to do this for 300 days rather than just shooting one arrow? Yeah. And then saying tomorrow, I got to shoot another arrow. And that's my piece. That's my piece to add to this because I've been doing social media for fuck like man and, and multiple accounts yeah. and multiple platforms. I mean, we're going into 2023. I quit my corporate job in 2017. So that's six years right there that I was doing it. And then to even quit my corporate job, I'd already built a following enough of a following to become a personal trainer and, and be successful at that, to just keep me afloat 
Um, so we're looking at like eight to 10 years of just, and you're talking about not having a following, like imagine being in my shoes, eight to 10 years and going back to that mastery thing. I love how you kind of made me not change my point of view, but really now I'm thinking like, where are the places where I did pivot and where are the places where I pivoted because of my fear of going into the cave rather yeah. than something doing something that I, I really, yeah. um, I like new, I'm the, I'm the type of guy that likes new. So I'm the guy that builds an account to 10 K and then says, I'm literally doing this right now. I built my fitness account yeah. up to 10 K and now I'm like, Oh, let me go focus on CJ <laughs> over and over and over and over again. Um, but what I have been great at is exactly what you're saying. And it's, it's really cool to sit here with somebody else who I see myself in and you're learning the same type of thing that, that I went through, which is like, it's, it's really not about the end. There is no end. Like, especially if you're talking social media, there's not one tweet or one post or one thing that's just going to bring you this piece it's yeah. just not, it's never going to happen. So when you take that off the board, you're like, what brings me peace in the moment? And I've seen that with you this year with, through the content that you've created. I appreciate that. I mean, I would encourage anybody out there. It Social media at its best is um, a vehicle to express our most authentic self. And so I've tried to approach it in a way where for me personally, I knew that the only way I would get myself to actually do it is if it felt true to me, if, if I could use it as a way to be more seen. So what I mean by that is like the videos I'm creating, the things I'm saying, I'm trying very hard to make my Instagram an outflow of who I am as a person. This applies to all social media. Um, and the, the it's if you do that if you're able to sort of view it that way then it truly becomes just a tool of self-expression and then it goes back to that Paulo Coelho co- quote I talked about then it is like the reward I have all of the reward I need and so it's like if if eventually likes follows come cool it's it's gravy I've already this is like writing the book is the same thing I I've already gotten what I wanted out of it. And I, it's like the person I became because I did this thing or the fact that I'm giving myself a chance to find my wife. Was it easier to write your book because of the captions you wrote on Instagram? Yes. Is it easier to podcast because of the Instagram posts? Yes. Is it easier to build relationships in real life because you get to talk with people on social media? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, I think, um, yeah. The the reason I say that is my, like thrive, the whole mission of thrive is to almost coerce people into becoming their authentic selves because they all have some, like every time I talk to someone, it's, I wish I could say that, or I wish I could do this, or I don't have enough time to do X, Y, Z. We were just at a wedding and some of the people there, they're, they're still living on the East coast. And there's like, Oh, there's, yeah, we gotta, we gotta stay here. Yeah. Like that's the way they say it. 
immediately in my head, like if we weren't at a wedding, yeah, I would have approached it in a different way. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Right. But outside of the wedding, if we're in a space like this, I'm just like, I don't like that response. Like I want a place where it's like, I don't want to just stay here. Like I want to fucking build here. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to become who I'm meant to become here. And if it's not here, where is it? And social media allows almost the ability to do that from anywhere. And that's why I like it because it democratizes and no one really views it this way. It democratizes the ability to be a hero. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the one liner that I think I'm coming to the conclusion of because I just saw this other, saw this thing earlier today. Zach Prograb posted about it, about a seven. Shout out Zach. We love you. We love you. Behavior hack. Check out his content. Uh, Man, talk about what lit a flame under his ass. Since he lived here, I want to say that, Zach, I'm calling you out right now. Since you <laughs> left Austin, Texas, your following and your, and what you've done to deserve that has exponentially grown, period. And I think that trip to Austin had a big play on that. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong. Call me up. Um, but he shared a 17-year-old kid on YouTube who's getting like millions of views for like the art he's producing 30 years ago heck i think youtube was made in 2010 i believe i have no idea like i think it's i think it was 2010 is when it started to like really have a a foothold that's 12 years ago i i vividly remember 12 years ago yeah it's not that long ago didn't exist for that 17 year old to be exceptional and become his hero. Yeah. And most people aren't viewing it like that because they live on the ground level and are just like, oh, Elon took over Twitter. What's going to happen now? It's like, no, don't look at it like that. It's what does this, and this is what I want to ask you, what do these platforms individually grant you? Most people don't look at it that way. We're too busy pointing the finger at somebody else. Because my goal is to coerce people into like living their highest potential, what inspired you in the first place? If you can think back. So if you're thinking about writing, like I would say your writing was the first initial thing. Like take social media away. Like you were writing a lot. And then social media becomes a platform. But what even kind of coerced you to write? to put a thought out there in the first place. Hmm. I mean, if I had to try to guess, I honestly think it was a function of it it didn't happen until the status quo got very painful to me. Meaning um like the the moment when uh, four years into my law firm job when it's like all of a sudden I would, had this like paralyzing panic attack and was really forced to look at my life and the decisions I had made for my life up to that point and who had been influencing the decisions I had been making in my life up to that point and realizing that much more than I cared to admit, I wasn't the one who had determined the trajectory of my life. And then when I go back to the drawing board and think about if I was the one in charge, if I was the one writing the stories, there's Socrates has this saying of the unexamined life is not worth living. 
And that's where I was before I got to this breaking point. And then once I hit that breaking point, for me, it was, it was either live a life where I was pursuing to the best of my ability the cultivation of what I felt was within me or don't live at all. Those are the only two options. And so as I like thought about it, there is this, there's this idea that um, George McDonald's a writer and he has a, he has a <clears throat> quote, whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter, but it's, it's because we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God. We see the same thing in the Lord of the Rings when Aragorn is asked to take the sword that was broken, reforged, and then use that in Minas Tirith in the third, in the third um, book and movie, where uh, he's he has this heritage where Isildur was once the king of the land, and then he killed Sauron. Now, Aragorn is the new version of this, but he sort of shrinks away from his identity. He's a ranger in, instead, and Elrond comes up to him and he says, "Put aside the ranger, become who you." We're meant to be. And it, we all have this realization where, this goes back to the hero's journey, where if we're honest with ourselves, we're leaving stuff on the table. We're leaving something on the table. And I think a lot of anxiety can be sourced back to when we're not actively pursuing what's best in us, what is most excellent in us, not actively cultivating the gifts inside of us. That's when we experience a lot of anxiousness. I'm not saying all of it is sourced there, but I'm saying most of it is. And I think if you're in a bad place, if you're depressed or you're in a rut, it's simply a matter of chasing excellence in some domain that you care about, chasing defeat. We've talked about like defeats of like daring to fail at something you care deeply about. Making progress. Viktor Frankl is the guy who wrote um, Man's Search for Meaning, and he talks about how it's not a tensionless state that man needs. It's a basically a goal worth striving for. And so you have to be able to see yourself making progress towards some ideal, some hero. And so for, for me, why I started writing was because that was my way of making progress toward the person I knew I had it within me to be. And so that like it was either that or don't live at all. Like it was either live the examined life where you're chasing excellence, anything else isn't worth living. And so for me, it like wasn't one of my favorite writers is uh, his last name is Rilke, Rainier Maria Rilke. And he talks a lot about this idea of like writing for him. He didn't just write because he loved it, he wrote because he had to, like he must. And that's how I feel. That's exactly the same way that I feel is. I'd rather die than not write. And, so yeah. my challenge to you is, and this is what I'm working through right now, how do you transition that into, I'd rather die than get my what I write read? Say that again? I'd rather die than get whatever I've written read by somebody else. Because that's how you become a legend. You mean not read? No, read. I'd rather, because right Pete, right now, you're satiated by writing. Yeah. But we need to transition you into, I can't just be satiated with my writing. I have to be, 
I'm only going to be satiated when people are reading my writing. For me, the yeah. example, we're podcasting. Yeah. I need to flip the script of, I feel great podcasting, I'm satiated, to I will only feel great if a million people have heard the guests that I brought on my show because the guests that I bring on my show are changing the world. Yeah, I, I it, agree with you to an extent. I would alter it a little bit in the sense that I mean, you're better with words than I am, so. No, 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 no. It, um, How do we to flip me, it? To because me, I don't want it to become toxic to me, either. You know, yeah, I guess to, to me, the, the, maybe the better question when I think about it is, have I done the work to allow a million people to read it? Mm. To, like, because cause then it's not, like I said, the, for me, the reward is the work itself. Or... Even to add on to that, stop running away from the work that actually needs to yeah. be done because I'm running towards the things that are comfortable. Yeah. The shooting the podcast is a comfortable part. Yeah. The sitting there in the dark and editing the show and editing the videos and then figuring out where do I place those videos, not just on social, but like I need to get on other blogs and, and other magazines and things like that to really backlink to then get the show listened to. Yeah. But I find myself always running, like running towards the satiation of, oh, if I just keep putting podcasts out, the growth is going to happen. Yeah, I got to like get that thought in my head. And I see it with you. It's just like, okay, the first book, you're allowed to have that mindset. But the second yeah. book, there's got to be, there's got to be some risk yeah. to, to the game. It's like you played football. I played soccer. We never came into the season. Like, let's just show up and play and all's good. Yeah. Yeah, the um that reminds me, uh, the church I go to passed out these cards a while ago. And I have my still have one in my wallet, and it's like my big prayer in a, in a play at small world, and it is, man, when did I write this? Look how worn this is. That's fucking sweet. It says that my books will reach millions, and then it it says, and that God in His light will echo out of out of me to them. Um, but so for, for me, it's this question of for the second book, it's, ha yeah, have I done the work? Like, have, have you done the work for it to reach millions? If you've done the work, the rest is take care of itself. It doesn't matter if it actually reaches millions or not. That's not up to you. All that's up to you only, this is, this is another stoic concept of like, what I can control is the work, what I do. Have I put the hours in? Have I created the content? Have I done the videos? Have I put it out into the world? Have I left no stone unturned? So I like that part better than the work because especially in 2022, like hard work only gets you so far. Like going back to Zach, like yes, the dude works hard, but he's very creative and he's a fucking shark. Yeah, He knows what's going to hit and he thinks of the thing that's going to hit and he does it. And he hasn't just done it once. Like even the business that allows him to have the freedom to do what he does is the same thing. He saw an idea and he's like, if I tweak it just a little bit, it's going to hit. Yeah. So that's where I think you and I are molding and shifting into that, I'd say, relatively recently. Because I think we've, you and I both have allowed ourselves to last so long on such a brilliant work ethic. And what I mean by that is just like one of the reasons that to be in my sphere of influence, I have to be a fan of you. And that's why I like that word. Like, and all my friends, 
in some capacity, I take from them something. I'm learning from them constantly to then put into myself. And with you specifically, I haven't been around another person that like wakes up and sticks to that moral principle as much as me. Like even my own wife, like I love Aaron, but waking up and then sitting, sitting down and reading or writing or doing these little things, like I do it every day, every single day, regardless of what the situation is. Um, and I've only seen that from other, one other person and that's you and you see it. I've seen it where you don't even show other people that that's how I know it's true. So like when I hang around you and I see it, I'm not like, oh, he's just doing this because I'm in the room. You do this every day. Like whether I'm in the room or not, you're there and you're not even showing people on social media that this is how you, who you are as you show up is like one of the hardest working people out there. And on top of that, not only the hardest working, but there's a lot of people that work hard that are dicks or assholes, right? I think we, we thread that needle of we're not like that. We are encouraging of people that are around us to work hard and to, to be better men and better women, but we don't hold you to the highest expectation where if you do something wrong, like you're out of our, you're out of our tribe. Like we don't, we don't operate like that. So, so we're, where I'm really going with this is when we were talking about, because there's this fine line of, like selling your book is what gets you the ability to even write more. Yeah. More podcasts download for me and listen to allows me to have more conversations, frees up more of my time. But the way I said it in the beginning, like five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago can be seen as a toxic because I was just like, you have to, you have to hit the million. Yeah. And that's where, you've really dialed into the way to articulate that you don't have to hit the million. It's the person that you become. But what I'm trying to convey is because we've relied on hard work for so long, has it blinded us to little things that we could be doing if we just stepped off the gas a little bit and said, you know what, like direction over speed, that that's what comes to mind. How do we shift your direction just a little bit so that instead of having to work hard to get a million people to read it, we work 85% as hard, but then because we changed the direction a degree, yeah, they were just willing to receive much in a much quicker way. And that's where for you going into 2023, and then I'm going to answer for myself, what is a way that you feel that that could be the path? If you're going to try something creative and there's risk to this because it could be it falls flat on its face, what is something that you could do that's creative, a little bit uncomfortable that could potentially lead to more people reading the second book? Hmm. I mean, I, I'm not sure that this is, is like particularly novel or, um, I hope it's not because then somebody can apply it to them. Well, I mean, anybody could do this, but I think it going back to this idea of I, I, I view my writing and my purpose generally as um, existing to preserve 
all worthy things. When I'm, when I say that, it's like ideas and stories from the past. And something that I was just thinking about today, actually, that would be out of my comfort zone. For, um, but I really, really want to do is sitting down with, if it's, if it's more than just a quote and it's like a paragraph and I don't have it memorized, there are certain passages that I believe to be so powerful where I would love to just sit down with the book as a fire, like a fireside chat and just read that paragraph of the book or read some, like this certain poem. Um, because what, I, what I'm trying to do in my books is not necessarily like, yes, I have some original thoughts, but at the end of the day, I'm not saying anything that's new, nor is anybody else in this world saying anything that's new. It's all been said before. You can be a you can be a remix of it, but to put my pride and ego aside, it's just it's it's this pursuit of I'm existing to highlight the best of what what I view as the best humanity has ever given us in terms of ideas. I am simply the latest vehicle and vessel to do that, to deliver that message to the world. It's not that the message is of me, it's in me, but it's not of me. And so when I think about one way i suppose where it would be that i mean that that's definitely the most uncomfortable one where i'm like oh the idea of like sitting and like so reading out of a book but i i like it's not like particularly creative it, again i think it's just the context at which you do it so have you ever heard the saying like the best salesmen are the best storytellers i have not but i mean yeah so if you, if you think about selling like Selling is the fear, like selling the book, selling myself, selling whatever. Yeah. That's the fear for most people. But we're constantly selling ourselves and people don't realize it. Like when you write a post on Instagram, you're selling. Yeah. When you, but you're, you're not viewing it that way because you're telling a story. Yeah. So going back to being authentic to yourself, you telling the story of another story is going to hit home. And I don't want to sidetrack off of that, but for me, like half of the time you speak, I like hearing it from you because if I read the book, I would have no fucking clue what it is talking about, mm. but you relate it and you just, every year you're going to get better and better and better and better at relating it. So it's like Jocko Willink creating kids books. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for you, I think that right there, that needs to take precedence over even putting out on Instagram because that is a more novel idea that most people aren't doing. Anybody can make an Instagram post. Not everybody can articulate like a stoic story or a philosophical story and relate it to mankind right now. There's very few people that can do that well. Yeah. Going back to our combo in the, tr in the truck earlier, how many people, like I don't know anyone that's obsessed with this stuff as much as you. To me, that's a problem. Yeah. They're out there somewhere. But I'm like, hmm. That means if you start doing it right now, you are the novel idea. Well, so this actually reminds me of, I'm going to amend my broader than just the writing stuff is I like the more and more I think about it is I want to create a new category of like the scholar athlete. Like we, had, we have the hybrid athlete that has become increasingly popular. Um, but this goes back to Plato in Republic, um, this is a loose summary, but he had this idea that to be just an athlete made you too crude and too rough. 
to be just a scholar made you too soft, and that the ideal citizen, a man of thought and a man of action, was a scholar athlete. When I think about everything I would love to embody in this world, like that is what it is. And the vehicle to do that is through writing and speaking. But existing at the top as the North Star of all of it is this scholar athlete that I'm attempting to be. It's very similar to like when we talk about Marcus Aurelius as a philosopher king. I would love to be, you know, create that category of scholar athlete and, and embody what that looks like. That's how I fuse like the, the, this way to the stars of what I'm trying to do personal. Like, that's where the overlap and crossover happen. You said that you are the vehicle. Yeah. What is the vehicle to people understanding scholar athlete? So you have this, you have this idea in your head and I, I wholeheartedly agree coming from, I literally am the, I think I was the epitome of scholar athlete because I played college sports. Most people think I got a scholarship for athletics, but I actually got scholarship for engineering and academics. And I felt lost in the world. And I think this is, there's so many people you could tap into. We were talking, we were talking about a lot of stuff earlier, but we were talking about try, trying to help you get some media interns that may be in college or yeah. whatever, right? But I felt lost in college because I was in the middle. I was in these engineering classes and I connected with almost nobody. Yeah. And then I was on the sports team and like, I didn't really connect with the athletes because they would yep. like right after sports, they would go do something. I'd be like, I got to study or I'm going to fail. Yeah. And I'm already kind of failing. <laughs> um, and I don't want to fail. I'm competitive. So then I get into the real world and I want to be a high achieving person in the corporate world. And like, people there would go to their job and then go to happy hour. It's yeah. like, I want to go play sports. Right. Yep. So it's like, you're creating this new category, which I think has legs already. There's people out there that fit that, but I'm always stuck on and in this conversation, how do we communicate, articulate that and build a culture and community around that? So people know that is what you're trying to, yeah. trying to build. And we can, we can get close to wrapping here on this thought is that's in my eyes, your golden ticket to the Mount Olympus that we were talking about is if you can figure out how to thread the needle and maybe work a little bit smarter in that, in that uncomfortable space, I don't know what it looks like, but I think that's where you're going to find the most success with this, with the second book, if that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. We, you, you answer the question for yourself of uh, what's the um, I'm going to ask you a different question to close out. Uh, what I mean, is we can ask multiple questions if you want. I'm, I don't have a timer. I'm just um, no. <laughs> yeah. I will close it out this. Um, Something I like to do before the beginning of every year is pick out a word for the next year. And the word to me always represents, um, what do you want to be in one word? And before you say like, well, I'm, you could say whatever you want. Um, but if you had to think about, uh, 
2023 is the year that I want to be blank or can I make it multiple words? Can it be like three words? Sure. <laughs> Two feet in. So you said one foot in earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to, I want it, I want it to be a, that's a good one. I want you to think also though about something like, um, a description of you. So it's like an adjective of, uh, or I mean, it could be a noun too, but so I'll give you an example. Um, relentless or, uh, steward. Two feet in, you know what I mean? Like two feet in is a little, does it fit that category of, uh, it's like a descriptor of you. So, I mean, I guess you could say committed. It's kind of the same as all in, two feet in. Yeah, it's the reason that two feet in hits with me is because I think there's a counter to that, which is one foot in. Sure. Which is very visual. So that's why. All in. Go, yeah. I, uh, like, like all in is like, what is like, Okay, what does that mean? But like two feet in for me, especially going back to soccer, like if we're talking slide, the World Cup just ended. If we're talking slide tackling, like you got to fucking commit or you're going to get injured. So yeah. when you go to slide tackle, it's either you're going two feet in and you're going in. Or if you do this little like pansy one foot, you're either going to get hurt or like they're just going to go right around you. Yeah. So when I think about my life, but if you're if we're thinking 2023 specifically, I think the word for me is selfless solely because Aaron and I are having a child. Mm. Like, yeah, that, that, that's a, I should have framed that question of like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where it's like, if somebody was just observing your life, what would they say you prioritize? This question is if somebody were to just watch you in 2023, what is the word you would want them to use to describe you? So selfless is a good answer. Selfless. Yeah. Like I, I want people to envision me as somebody that is willing to do whatever it takes for his friends and his family. And spe specifically next year, selfless has to be a word that I, I tell myself because it there's there's a little being that will die without me yeah. or die without Aaron. Now, you can say a couple years later, like when they're two or three years old, like they can feed themselves, they can go to the bathroom, like. But next year specifically, I need to be selfless. And if I'm selfless with my time for the baby, then that's going to make me shift every other aspect of my life. So I'm going to stop. I can no longer get to, I can no longer be in my own head of like feeling guilty about work, other relationships, all these other things. So I like your end question here because when I remind myself like, this is my service for 2023. This is who I'm serving. That beautiful boy that yeah. is coming in April. Nothing else matters. And what does matter will stay regardless. And I think that's what a, myself and a lot of people have trouble with is just like, and this is why also my, the friends that I keep in that circle, I know that they could not hear from me for two years. And the moment that we meet up is like a day never. Yeah. A day we never went by and they didn't expect anything of me except the only expectation they had of me is for me to be my best self possible and they uphold that standard 
and I uphold that standard of them. So let's flip it back on you, and that's how we're going to end. So I have a word. What's yours? Um, and I challenge everybody listening to this, pick one, pick a word too, and then reach out to me, tag me in it. Yeah. Post it on the story, tag us in it. I'd love to know what people are thinking about in 2023 is their theme and their word. I mean, the word that comes to mind is relentless. That's why I said it, but it's, it's more of just when I think about why I would even choose relent, relentless. It's more of just like, uh, devoted. I, th I think is the word I want to go with and why I say devoted is I can't remember if we talked about this, but of the many figures I'm obsessed with, the, the recent obsession that came this year was the Renaissance painter, Michelangelo sculptor and painter, Michelangelo. And I, I, I've devoured everything I can get my hands on of like learning about his life. Everything from the, um, you know, him sculpting day, the story of him sculpting the sculpture of David to, um, the Sistine Chapel, to all of these different things, just learning about his life generally. And he, at the end of his life, he had these, they're called the captive slaves. And there are these three sculptures where they looked unfinished to the untrained eye. They were half ca like carved out of the marble block and half still a block of marble. And people for the longest time thought that they, he simply hadn't finished them. But what he tried to do with every piece of art was infuse a piece of his soul into it. And how he viewed himself was as both the sculptor and the marble. He viewed himself as that unfinished block that was constantly trying to chip away the excess and reveal itself. And I feel the exact same way. And he has this, nobody, like, it's hard to know what quotes attributed to him are actually real, but effectively, he sort of kind of came to the end of his life and said something to the effect of, blame beauty, my mistress. And so when I, when I, all he cared about is like he had this radical devotion to beauty and the ideal and use whatever word you want, like light, God, source. And that when I, so when I use the word devotion, it's like, that's, that's what I'm serving. It's not humans. Like it is in a way, but not in a way where my worth depends on their validation. Mm -hmm. It is totally this idea of come hell or high water through all these trials and temptations. It's remembering who I'm serving, remembering what I'm actually here to do. And it's, it's not to, um, fluctuate with the opinions of other human beings it's to live in service of the light devoted true devotion when it's hardest to be devoted to that thing when everything in me is tempted to abandon it for material pursuits 
I want somebody to be able to look at my life in 2023 and say, he's dedicated his life to making beautiful things on the hope that's the best way for him to help the world. And himself. And himself. <laughs> well, and there, that was awesome. As always, Noah Heisman on the mic over here. We're wrapping up 2022. If you liked this episode, he's been on here before, so you can go find him on Instagram at Noah Heisman 3 And I'd love for you to share this with somebody that you think could gain value from it. I'd also love for you to go rate and review this. That's the best way that you can help this show reach more ears. It's been one hell of a year, and I look forward to continuing to do my best to be devoted to serving you, the person listening to this, and making this better and better each and every episode and every year moving forward. It's something that I'm really obsessed with doing and just really sharing free education and helping people thrive on life. So until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.